the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Luke chapter 3, verse 22. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. In uh, not a very long time, we'll be um, back again in the season of uh, presidential debates. And imagine if there was a presidential debate happening in Colorado, and it was sort of kind of indoor-outdoor kind of setting. Uh, and imagine a glorious bald eagle started like circling the debate, and everyone noticed. And then this majestic bald eagle comes and lands right on the podium of one of the candidates, and just perches there regally for the entirety of the debate. Right? People would interpret that as an omen, right? They'd be like, oh, this, this is the candidate. Look, the eagle has chosen. Because, of course, we associate the symbol of an eagle with our country. Um, what happened in the event recorded in today's gospel is sort of like that, but times ten. It's a symbolic communication from God that's revelatory of his truth. And we call that, in churchy terms, an epiphany which is why we remember it today. Um, and the thing that loads up this event with symbolism are the, is the Old Testament, the prophecies uh, that underwrite what happened when Jesus, the moment after Jesus was baptized. So I want to look at those. The first one I want to mention is, um, the first two actually, is about these prophecies about who the Spirit will land on. Right? There's these prophecies that the Spirit's going to come and descend on one singular figure, and who is that? Well, in Isaiah 11, verse 1 reads, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, Jesse the father of David, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So this is one of the ways that God prophesied ahead of time how he's going to announce his Messiah, the chosen one of David, is the Spirit's going to descend on him. So what we see is God himself confirming what John the Baptist has just been preaching. Right, that John is not the Christ. Everyone's wondering, who is the Christ? Who is the Messiah? And when God sends his spirit down, it's God himself saying, this is the Messiah. Let it be known. Right? Crystal, crystal clear connecting to these Old Testament prophecies. That he's the Messiah. Moreover, in Isaiah 42 that we just heard read, it says that the spirit will also descend upon the one who is my servant. Right? This singular servant prophesied by Isaiah, who as we heard in Isaiah 42 and in the Acts reading, this servant's going to do great miracles of healing and redemption and bringing people out of prison and a great ministry of blessing, which is exactly the earthly ministry Jesus has. But we also see prophesied throughout Isaiah that that's not all that the servant is going to do. Right? The, the passage that is very familiar to us in church in Isaiah 52 and 53 about he was crushed, for our iniquities, he was stricken for our transgressions. The he is introduced in Isaiah 52 as my servant. That same servant who is anointed by the Spirit, the Spirit descends on him, does these miracles. That same servant is the one who will be pierced for our transgressions. So what we see in Jesus' baptism is that in every case in the New Testament, baptism is connected to death. We who have been baptized have been baptized into Christ's death. Christ's own baptism was the anointing, the appointing of him as servant, which means it was also the appointing of his death. This is the servant on whom the Spirit descends. This is the servant who will bear the sins 
of all the people. So we see the cross that Jesus would die on predicted in his baptism, just as our baptism connects us to his death on the cross for us. So much for uh, the Spirit descending, but what about the particular form in which he manifested himself, the Spirit, as a dove? A very particular bird, right? It doesn't just say as a, as a bird. There's a Greek word for bird. It, it says dove. And this is also very intentional communication. In the same way an eagle would be a powerful symbol today, a dove was a very powerful symbol. In God's providence, actually for all people who were there in this day or who heard this story um, after it happened. Even for the Gentiles, actually, the doves were considered a divine bird. And I didn't realize this until preparing for this week. There's tons of coins in Jesus' day which had Zeus holding a dove, right, sending this dove. And so there's this, even a, a, a pagan Greek who heard the story would be like, wait, a dove, wait, what happened? It would have been connecting to the divine authority of Jesus. But the fullness of the epiphany is reserved for those who knew the scriptures, right? It's the scriptures that reveal God. So in Jesus' day, the Jews, for us now, reading the Bible. What's the most famous dove in the Bible? In the Old Testament? Noah. Noah, thank you, yeah. Um, yeah, Noah's dove, right? That, like how you hear dove, you immediately think of Noah's dove. And that's exactly right. right? Think about the connection. The dove, when first sent out in the time of judgment, just like John the Baptist has been preaching, right? Judgment is coming. And the sort of the arch reference for judgment was when God judged the earth in the time of Noah. Judgment's coming. And Noah sends out a dove, but the dove has nowhere to land. There's nowhere for it to go except back to the ark. Except to the ark. Except to the one place where there can be salvation from judgment. Right? The dove lands on the ark. The dove, descending from heaven, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, descended back down to the one place where there's refuge from the judgment that John the Baptist has been preaching. This is the one, Jesus himself is the one, who when we are hidden in him, as Noah hid inside the ark, we are saved from the judgments of God against sin, our sins. Noah doesn't send out the dove only once though, right? He sends it out again. And what does it come back with? Olive. Olive leaf. A little, you know, it's traditionally an art, this little olive sprig. A little branch. The dove brings this little branch of peace. I think the symbolism is all laid in there. In the same way we would instantly get it if an eagle landed on a podium, having the backdrop of the Old Testament scriptures to see a dove bringing this branch of Jesse, Jesus, who it says in Ephesians 2.14, is our peace. doesn't make our peace, although he does that. doesn't just give us peace, although he does that. He himself is our peace. He is the reconciling peace between us and God, our maker. So when they saw this dove, and this gospel story has been read ever since, and told about by the apostles, first verbally, and then the Spirit inspired for it to be written down, the dove should connect us to Noah's dove, and we should delight in who the dove lands on and who the dove is presenting and pointing us to. One of the great um, things I was grateful for a, a teacher who taught me years ago is in the question of um, spiritual discernment, right? It's always a live question for the, for the Christian. Like when someone says, oh, God told me this, or I think the Spirit's doing this, 
Well, how do we know it's really God? And the answer is right here revealed on the day of his baptism. The Spirit always alights on Christ. Always points to Christ. So someone says, how the Holy Spirit told me to do this. Is it pointing to Christ? Then yes, it's probably the Spirit. And if it's not, if it's pointing somewhere else than Christ, it's probably, actually let me say certainly, not the Spirit. Not the Holy Spirit who lands always on Christ. Lastly, um, if you were to do a keyword search for dove in your Bible, um, you'd see that they also occur throughout the Old Testament as the sin offerings for the poor. These these layers of rich symbolism, all taking place in this one shape of a bird. The sin offering for the poor. What a great way of communicating the death that Jesus would soon, in a couple years after this baptism, die for us. A sin offering for the poor. And what happens to the sin offering? The priests eat it. In the Old Testament, literally, like they would eat some of the meat of the sin offering. And we participate still in the singular sin offering that Jesus is himself. When we feast by the Holy Spirit, again, it's, we pray in the post-communion prayer, we have spiritually eaten the body and the blood. The Holy Spirit brings us the body and the blood, the sin offering of Jesus to us who are poor. Amen.